Amen. Even in our um, in our release of the word and, and what it is that the Lord is doing. And, and I pray that you can, can hear God today. There's something breaking out in this place that's bigger than our ability to understand what it is. It's not to be gauged by a numerical number, but it's to be gauged by the, uh, the, the potency of the presence. There's a presence of God in here to do something. You know, and so um, we just, um, we just, we just bless the Lord. We do, we do, we do. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Lord. Give God a, a hand clap of praise. We certainly thank God to have visiting with us Mr. Robert Hyman Jr. Where you at, Robert? Robert Hyman Jr. Well, he, I guess he visited, and hopefully he come back before the service over with. Bless the Lord, Robert Hyman. We bless the Lord for you. Amen. We praise him. God is good. Amen. Thank God for all of you being in the house. I know all the children, y'all sneak them out on me now, so I don't have to excuse children church. I guess y'all figured out that I'll forget. So that's y'all's nice way of making sure that y'all help me out. And that's, I'm cool with that. That's what it is, what it is, because I'll forget. I'll forget. Um, we, we, we started in a vein on Wednesday that I want to keep continuing. I believe it's, it's for where we are right now and connects to everything else that we've been saying and doing. It's, it's not a, a separate topic. It's within the same flow. Um, I'm going to take you to Luke chapter 16 and verse number, uh, Luke chapter 14, excuse me, Luke chapter 14 and verse number 16. We're going to do that. Glory to the name of Jesus. Never forget that the, the, the Lord in this season is removing shame. Amen. He's removing shame because shame is what gets is an obstacle between us and God. We cannot be shamed and, and, and completely give ourselves over to his presence. And when we completely expose ourselves in the presence of God, transformation is inevitable. We can't stay like we are when we are naked and not ashamed before a God that is everything we've always wanted and everything that we ever need. And so, so, so God is now giving us grace to remove shame and, and to praise and to worship and to, to adore him without worry about what people know where we came from and, and what we've done, but just understanding that he is. He is. Everything that I wasn't, he is. So, so we bless the Lord that we can rest in his isness. And not what we aren't. Amen. Luke chapter 14 and verse number 16. I want to read that. Um, and then we'll, we'll kind of tap into what the Lord wants to say today. And uh, it says in Luke chapter 14 verse um, number 16. Then said he, meaning Jesus, unto him. Well, matter of fact, let's go to verse number 15 because that really kicks off why the Lord said what he said. Verse 15 is the one. It says, um, 
And when one of them sat at meat with him, heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Verse 16. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are. Everybody say, Now ready. Everybody say, Now ready. Verse 18, and they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. So I can't come and, and see what you said because of what I'm already seeing. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife. And therefore, I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. Verse 22. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel, everybody say compel, them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Now, ain't that amazing that he would say that? Not Those men didn't say that they wouldn't come. They just said they wouldn't come right then. And he said, because they wouldn't come when I called, then they can't taste nothing that I cooked or nothing that I prepared. There's, there's something in that about timing that we got to understand about the timing of God, amen, and everything that, that uh, but Matthew 22, I want to show this to Matthew's uh, uh, view of, of, of this parable, and, and perhaps it is a different parable with many of the same, um, many of the same ingredients as Luke's. Or perhaps it's what Luke heard versus what Matthew heard. And God let Matthew hear certain things that he didn't allow Luke, vice versa, so we could put it together. Five people can see the same thing and see five different things out of that same thing. And I believe many times God does that to give us different perspectives of the same thing. Matthew chapter 22 and verse number one. The, Bible's, the Bible reads, and Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a certain king which made a marriage, not just a feast, but a marriage for his son. Powerful. And sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again, he sent forth of the servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Everybody say, they are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and did what? Slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was what? And he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, the wedding is ready. Everybody say ready. But they which were bidden were not worthy. Go therefore into the highways 
and as many as you shall find bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all that as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he said unto him, friend, everybody say friend. That's key. How came it thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him out of uh, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called, but few are what? Many are called, but few are chosen. I want to deal with you about dress to kill. I want to keep in that vein and um, the invitation, understanding the invitation, understanding that God is inviting us into something. And I would suggest to you that that what I'm going to share with you is an invitation um, into something that is that is ready. So, Father, we just bless you and we just thank you right now for the power of God to preach your word in a way where that which cannot be seen is manifest into the into to the eye of the hearts of your people today. Lord God, that we would leave here understanding that you are king and your Lord and beside you there is no other. We thank you and bless you for what eyes we'll see and what ears we'll hear in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the house of God. I want to I start with Luke chapter 14 and verse number 17 um, and, and share a couple of things with you. If you don't mind me to take my time with this. I don't believe like it's much. I don't believe it's that much. But, hey, you know, most of the time what I don't think is much is a lot to uh, other people. So. Um, I don't think it's much. Luke chapter 14, verse um, 17. I want to go back there to Luke chapter 14, verse 17 and work from that place because I believe that it kind of sets up the understanding of everything that the Lord is trying to speak to us about the kingdom. Now, keep in mind in verse 15 uh, preceding, you can put it on verse 17. In verse 15, there was a man that says unto the Lord, blessed is the man that shall eat bread in the kingdom. So now what we got to understand is this parable is about eating in the kingdom. He, the Lord is trying to help us understand how we eat in the kingdom. Glory be to God. And so he goes on and, and, and he's trying to help us understand the nature of the kingdom of God. So, so if we look at Luke chapter 14, verse 17, the Bible says in this parable, the Lord said that, he, that this king sends his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, who were invited, come for all things are now ready. Everybody say now ready. Or already prepared. That's what uh, Matthew's uh, depiction says. Now ready or already prepared. He says he sends his servants to go out and tell people all things are now ready or what? Already prepared. He's helping us understand our assignment. Our assignment is to invite men and women into what God has already done. Please don't miss that. Don't miss that. The only reason why I'm sending you is because I already finished it. I would not be sending you out to invite anybody if it wasn't already done. So, so we got to understand that first and foremost. The kingdom must always be presented strictly at present tense. Glory be to God. It is now. The kingdom never sends men and women out to declare what God is going to do, but to announce what God, uh, but to announce that all things are now ready. Everybody say now ready. 
I'm not inviting you to church because God is going to free you, but because he already has. See, the invitation has to change. You're not coming so God can deliver you, but the reason why I'm bringing you into this word is because it's already ready. Y'all hear, it's now ready. Your deliverance ain't down the street. It ain't next week. It ain't next month. Your transformation ain't down the street. It ain't next week. It ain't next month. It is now ready, and the only reason why you're being invited is because everything is already finished. Y'all, so since everything is already finished, I'm going to invite you. A kingdom herald must be someone who invites people into a finished work. Come, look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, it is finished. You're coming because it is now ready. Amen. If you heard the call of God on your life, it's not because God wants to deliver you. It's because he already has. If you begin to feel a draw to come to God and to come to church, it's not because God is going to transform you. It's because he already has. He doesn't call anybody until it's already done. He said things are already ready. Now go tell them to come. So we must come to a location called now ready. Amen. Because everything God has done and we will see him do is now ready. This is where we get hung up with timing. It requires a now response. I'm going to say it again. Because everything God has done and we will see him do is now ready. It requires a now response, which is given by now faith. I'm going to help you understand Hebrews 11. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the what? Evidence of things not seen. God describes what he's prepared, but no one given an invitation has seen what he has prepared. That's the reason why they make light of it. They did not see it, all he did was say what he had prepared for them. Glory be to God. They saw nothing. All they knew was God said he got something prepared, and because they didn't see anything, they made oh yeah, they made light of it. He tells them what's prepared, but doesn't show them what's prepared. Behold, I prepared my dinner, is what Matthew says. My oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. God does not show us what he's prepared. I need y'all to understand that. And this is why a lot of people never answer the call. God does not show us what he's prepared. He calls us to what he's prepared. He doesn't show us what's prepared. He calls us to what's prepared. It speaks of a life call or a call to a life of hope. Hope that is seen, y'all ain't hearing me, is not hope for what a man seeth. Why does he yet for? He was calling those people into a hope. This is what I said I got prepared for you even though you don't see it yet amen so the invitation into the kingdom is an invitation into a life of hope everybody say hope so so now based on this parable we can describe the kingdom in two words those two words are now ready everybody say now ready everybody say now ready Everybody say, now ready. The kingdom can be described in those two words, now ready. See, never when you're ready. 
That's where we get in trouble because we actually think God is waiting for us to get ready. When I get ready, I'm going to come. When I get ready, I'm going to change. When I get ready, I'm going to move. When I get ready, I'm going to stop. God never calls you when you're ready. He just comes and says, it's now ready. And whether you're ready or not, if you don't respond to now ready, you won't taste what it is that he's inviting. He is not waiting for you to be ready. He is not waiting for you to stop liking what you're doing wrong. He's not waiting for you to finally say enough is enough. He's saying it's ready right now and a now oh glory so so now there's so many people who will never taste the kingdom because now ready never waits for us to be ready god doesn't ask you if you're ready before he sends someone to announce to you it's ready right now i, I know you ain't ready but it's ready glory be to god so now god only calls only calls after everything is already finished see this is what we got to understand your freedom from fornication is now ready but I'm not ready to give up that relationship. It don't matter. It's ready. Oh, glory be to It's ready right now. Your change is now ready. God isn't going to wait until you're ready to change before he says it's now ready. And so now we miss what we have now because we actually think we can tell now ready I ain't ready. But now ready don't want to hear I ain't ready. Let me tell you, never. You can't tell. Uh, uh-uh, uh. Now, ready? I'm not ready. And that's why you're still there because you think you can tell now later. You can't tell now later. Amen. If I don't get it now, I ain't got it, even though I got it now, because I told now later. I know I needed to give it up, but I ain't ready yet. Now ready, but it's now ready. I ain't ready to change, but it's now ready. The kingdom that is now ready doesn't wait until you're ready. See, and this is what we got to catch about this whole text. Most of us have already built our life. Matter of fact, all of us in here already built our life before God invites us into the life he's prepared. We've already built a life by the time he invites us into a life. He says, come, come, come. So the father fully expects me to walk away from things that I've built to embrace what he's prepared that I haven't seen yet. I have to be willing to walk away from things that I've built that I've seen to now get what I haven't seen, but he said that I have. The invitation of hope is the invitation to get what you haven't seen only after walking away from what you can see. God invites us, please hear me, into the life he's prepared for us after we've built our version of life. He does not, that's why he says he that loses his life shall gain it because I'm not I'm going to wait until you build your version of life and then I'm going to invite you into the life I had for you before the foundations of the world he that loses his life shall gain it I'm not going to say God you're going to wait for me y'all ain't here all sake let me let me bring it to the let me bring it to the text Luke 14 verse 18 I bought a piece of ground and I must needs go see it that's called real estate business I'm in the real estate business God how you 
going to call me to hope. I got to make sure I'm with bankers. I'm, I'm doing big things. I'm about to be a millionaire and you calling me into hope. Glory be to God. I, oh, verse 19, I bought five yokes of oxen and I must prove them. I'm an entrepreneur. I got my own business. I've got to run my business. How are you calling me into verse 20? Uh-oh, this is a big one. I have married a wife, so I therefore cannot come. What God has prepared for us, he'll fully expect us to walk away from real estate. He'll fully expect us to walk away from business. And guess what? He'll expect you to walk away from relationships. For Oh, God Almighty, I'm going to get in trouble up in here. He'll fully expect us to walk away from real estate entrepreneurial endeavors and relationships to accept the invitation of hope. Everybody say you've been invited right now. What is it that's keeping you from your invitation? The invitation of hope to access what you haven't um, seen demands you walk away from some stuff you value that you have seen. Guess what? Not when you're ready to walk away from it. But because what God has invited you into is now ready. Amen. If the invitation, this is, this is where I believe reasoning should kick in. If the invitation of hope expects men and women to walk away from real estate, not when they're ready, but because it's now ready. Obviously, what's now ready isn't going to wait for you when you're ready to change your television uh, watching habits. I just can't help it. I just like, now hold on. He making this man walk away from real estate. And because you like watching certain stuff on TV, God got to deal with me on that. He ain't going to wait for you to stop watching certain stuff on TV. And he's demanding a man to walk away from a million dollar real estate business. And you sitting there crying because you got to give up certain stuff. Songs? If the no, no, hold on, hold on. If the invitation of hope expects men to walk away from business, not when they're ready, but because it's now ready, obviously what's now ready isn't going to wait when you're ready to change your attitude. I just get mad, I just get in the funk, and I just let folk have it. God just gotta work with me on that. No, but it's now ready. Your, your peace is now ready. Your joy is now ready. Lips that speak that which is good, which is perfect, are now ready for you. Right. You don't have to wait for that. He wouldn't have called you if it wasn't ready. Right. The now, hold on. If the invitation of hope expects men and women who are married to put off the dinner date, to put off the vacation and time alone on hold. I know y'all don't like that. Glory be to God because we're in a, a we're, we're in this crazy stuff we call Christianity. Amen. And we tried to make it a romance movie. Amen. But if the invitation of hope expects men who are married to put the dinner date, the vacation time alone on hold, not when they're ready, but because it's now ready, obviously what's not ready isn't going to wait for you to stop fornicating before it tells you you need to come into this hope of glory. It is now ready. I got a soul tie. 
A soul tie ain't stronger than now already. Glory be to God. We've been living together for five years. Living together for five years ain't stronger than what's now ready. You don't have to fight to get free. You wouldn't have got called unless you were already free. The reason why you're hearing God knocking on your heart is because he said it's already prepared. Your joy is already prepared. Your freedom is already prepared. Your liberty is already prepared. Your change is already prepared. Come on, shout now already. Now, this is what I need y'all to understand about hope. We can't operate in hope. Hope only operates in the now. Amen. God is going to change me. That ain't hope. God has already changed me. That's hope. It's calling those things that be not as though they. God is going to free me. Ain't hope. I'm already free. That's hope. Hope that is seen is not. For what a man seeth, why does he yet? Notice that the invitation of hope is all about eating a meal. Now, this is the part that we got to understand. This is the part where we really got to understand what the Lord is saying. The invitation of hope, everything that God is saying, I want you to leave what you see to come into is based off of a meal that he's prepared. He, he equates the invitation of hope to eating a meal. So the invitation of hope is actually being fed faith because faith is the substance of things hope for, right? Amen. Now, I need y'all to get this. Amen. And I'm going to slow down a little bit to make sure that you get it. Proverbs 18, verse 21. Put that up. Real, real, real fast. Put that up, and I've been hitting this for a while, but I really want to stay here. Proverbs 18, verse 21. I ain't ready yet, because you don't understand the invitation. The only reason why you feel like you need to come to church because you was ready to change. He wouldn't have called you if it wasn't ready. The reason why you said, roll over in your bed and say, I need to get back in church because it was ready. The reason why you rolled out and said, I need to change my life because I know better than to be living like I'm living because it was ready. There is no call unless it's prepared. Somebody shout now, ready. Glory be to God. Now watch this. Look at this. Proverbs 18, verse 21. Very, very powerful. The invitation of hope is actually an invitation to eat. Proverbs 18 and 21. Death and life are what? In the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall the fruit thereof. The fruit we eat are the words that we speak. Now, see, I've been dealing with this for a while, but I, I got to take my time because I need y'all to get this. The fruit that we eat are the words that we speak. For the Father to invite us to eat is for the Father to invite us in a way of speaking. He's the invitation of hope is the invitation into a way of speaking. It is the invitation into a language. It is the oh glory, a language called calling those things that be not as though I told y'all I ain't preaching nothing new. It's still all in the same vein. It is a language that he invites us into. Amen. A language that gives us access to life. See, this is what we don't understand. Can I help y'all understand something? From the beginning, the Father has always been inviting us to a feast. Right. 
Luke 14 and Matthew 22 are not new ideas. That was Genesis 2. Adam, you can eat, y'all ain't hearing me, from every tree of the garden, but the tree in the midst of the garden you can't eat from. God has been trying to get us to eat from the beginning. Y'all ain't hear what I'm It ain't nothing new. He's been inviting us into this from the second chapter of the book. Put up Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. I want to show it to you. Look, you're able to tell your neighbor, you're invited to eat. You're invited to eat, I'm the head and not the tail. You're invited to eat, I'm above only and not belief. You're invited to eat, by his stripes I'm healed. You're invited to eat, I'm the righteousness of God. You're invited to eat, I am more than a conqueror in Christ. You are invited to eat, I am holy like he is holy. You're invited to eat, I have authority over all the power of the enemy. Who wants to come? Who wants to come? Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest what? Free to eat. Why in the world would he give this man a whole world full of trees? The only reason a whole, he's now giving him a whole world. Obviously, he wants Adam to eat. And he wants Adam to eat good. Then he goes on to say this. Look at verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of what? Thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely do what? The fruit of all the trees of the garden. Now, this is, please hear this. Amen. This is what I sense the Spirit of the Lord saying. I believe the fruit of the trees of the garden were words of God. Each one of them was a word from God, every fruit of the tree. That is, Adam ate, watch this, or spoke would reestablish God's original order over the earth. Right. Amen? I believe that the word, the fruit that he was eating were words from God that if spoken would reestablish the order of God on the earth. You can eat from any tree. You can speak any word from me. You can speak any of my words. Amen? Power of life and death. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those that love it shall eat the... You shall eat from every tree, fruit from every tree of the garden. Right. Amen. Everybody follow what I'm saying? So the fruit we eat are the words we speak. Adam, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, or from every tree you can freely speak. But of the tree in the midst of the garden, don't eat of it, or in other words, don't speak that. A lot of people don't understand it, but he had to eat he had to speak a word when he ate that fruit because when God shows up, he says to God, I'm naked. And God asked him, who told you that? Have you been eating from the tree? That fruit that he ate was a word that he spoke. Amen. So, so now this is what I need you to understand. The enemy tempting Adam to eat from the tree was an attack on Adam's appetite. Y'all follow what I'm saying? The, the enemy getting Adam to eat from the wrong tree was an attack on his appetite because he knew if I can change his appetite, I'm going to change how he talks. And the power of life and death is in the tongue. I'm going to get him to speak death out of his own mouth. What we say is what we eat. Notice the fact that after Adam ate from the tree, he was commanded not to eat from 
This is the big key. He could not eat from any of the trees that God intended for him to eat from. We always focus on the fact that he ate from the wrong tree, but never focus on the fact he never tasted any of the right ones. The the tree that he ate from disqualified him to eat from all of the ones that he could. The word that he spoke disqualified him from speaking any of the words God gave. Y'all better catch me. God intended for him to speak. What we eat is actually what we say. Please follow me. The fruit that we eat are the words that we speak. He couldn't say anything that the Lord had prepared for him to say because of what he had already said. What the enemy gave Adam to eat disqualified him from eating anything God prepared for him to eat. The enemy attacks us through appetite. Please hear me. If I say can't nobody change overnight, there's no way I'm going to eat. I'm changed right now. What I just said disqualifies me from saying what God gave me to say. I ate from a fruit that gave, disqualified me from saying I'm changed right now. Can't nobody, I dare somebody to find somebody that say I can't, can't nobody change overnight. I guarantee in the next sentence they ain't gonna say I change right now. Otherwise they would be a schizo. Y'all ain't hear what I'm saying. You ain't no, that ain't faith, that's schizophrenia. Because what I just said, the tree I just ate from called I can't change overnight disqualified me from eating from the tree that says the word of God is quick and powerful sharper than any double edged sword ah it can change in a minute everybody say I can't say now ready when I say I ain't ready yet you ain't gonna say God God is ready to change me I said I can't I ain't ready to change right now what you ate disqualified you from the fruit God gave you that said your changes you can't eat it You can't eat it. You can't eat it. Come on, if I listen to the music that says I'm juicy, I'm gangster, I'm going to help the young people. All the boys drooling over me. I'm the thickest thing in the club. I'm the player of players. If I eat that fruit, ain't no way I'm going to come in here and say I'm pure. You can't eat that. I'm going to be a virgin until I'm married. You can't eat that. I don't want nobody but my husband. You can't eat that. I don't want to dance in the club. I only want to dance before God. How many of you can stand up and say that with authority? Why? Because what you've been eating keeps you from eating what God has given you. Do you understand you were built to eat like that? You were built to eat. I'm the purity of God. I'm the righteousness of God. I'll be a virgin until I'm married. I'll be the best family man in the world. I'll be the best wife to my children. I'll love the Lord with all of my heart. Why can't you eat? that have you been eating have you been eating from you actually don't understand there's certain things you can't say you don't get it do you you can't say them you cannot say I'll never have sex again until I'm married you can't even though that's what you're supposed to be eating because you've eaten from a tree that disqualified you to eat from the trees God planted for you The invitation is an invitation back into the word. Call those things that be not as though they were. I love purity, not perversion. 
You don't have to say, God, free me for pornography. You can, you can repent for pornography, but then you can call those things that be not as though they were. I'm calling you back into hope. Hope says, I don't lo love pornography. I only look at that which is pure, that which is holy. Glory be to God. God, I don't want a club no more. No, 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 no. I can't stand the club. In Jesus' name, I'm a worshiper. Come on, I'm inviting you back. I don't care if you're still fighting to go to the club. You can call those things. I'm inviting you back to eat from the tree. Y'all ain't here me that you couldn't eat from because of what's been in your mouth look when I'm telling you young people is there is hope there's hope for you Come on, I just want to snap on somebody. I just want to go off on somebody. You can't eat the fruit that'll say, I'll, if you try to book up at me, I'll walk away. I ain't going to try to. You can't even eat that, even though that's what exactly what you're supposed to do. You walking around ready to break somebody's neck if they look at you wrong. And don't understand you ate that. That ain't really who you are. Music is the perfect way to serve a meal. And uh, I mean, uh, music is the perfect way to serve a meal that'll keep you from eating what God wants you to eat. What better way to do it but to put a beat to it? But the moment I eat from that tree, I won't eat from the other one. I love the word of God. Come on, can you say that? Why can't you eat from that tree? You were created for that. You see what I'm saying? But the enemy purposely puts meals on beats and gets you to say stuff that you don't even think about you saying. I could play beats right now to certain songs, and after the beat stops, the words will keep on going in your spirit right now. Glory be to God. They was, I was sitting there watching the History Channel. We were on vacation, and they were talking about the history of hip-hop. And then they were talking about how New York hip hop started. Then they started playing uh, uh, the old um, Wu-Tang. Because they talked about how Wu-Tang really changed everything. I came to bring the pain, hardcore to the brain. Let, you know, uh, Method Man, so the young people looking at me like, that is crazy. But to us, that was the Wu-Tang, boy. That, was, that thing was fly. And so now, hey man, I ain't heard that stuff in 10 years. But I promise you, when I laid down, I'm laying down next to my wife saying, thank you, Jesus. And I closed my eyes and I came to bring the pain, hardcore to the brain. Let's go inside there. I'm like, what did God watch? me Jesus uh, bl the blood of Jesus uh, uh, cleanse me Lord purge me with his up so I can be righteous because I'm up in here jamming uh, all it takes all it takes is the sound that's still, do you understand that's a seed? That if I go back to listening to that music, it'll be watered. And, and glory be to God, and I'll be right. Right? And so the enemy puts meals with beets to keep us from eating from the kingdom. Amen? I need y'all to catch that. What Adam ate, do you under, see, we always focus on the tree that he ate, but we never observe the fact that he never ate anything that he was supposed to. 
it disqualified him from all those words that God had intended for him to speak over his life and to speak over the world because of what he was eating. Amen? The fruit, listen to me, that you eat are the words that you say. The fruit of the trees is meat at the feast. The feast was meat. In the garden, it was fruit. The fruit of the trees in Genesis is the meat of the feast in Luke. Everybody follow what I'm saying? So the invitation of hope is an invitation into a way of speaking, a language that gives us access to the life of God. If thou will confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in the heart that God has raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth, and with the mouth confession is made unto righteousness. Confession is made unto into righteousness. See, when I really believe, I don't say God make me righteous. I confess I am righteous. Why? Because he wouldn't have called me if it wasn't now ready. Y'all hear what I'm saying? I confess I'm now washed because he wouldn't have called me if it wasn't now ready. I confess that I'm now sinless because he wouldn't have called me if it wasn't now. The only reason why I knew I needed to come to Jesus was because there was a call sent from somebody who God already said they're now you ready right now to make every change because it's already been prepared. Watch this. Luke chapter 14 verse number 22. Look at this. It's so so, so powerful. This is what I'm, I'm going to help you understand something about our ministry. And I'm going to help you understand something about kingdom ministry and what I'm about to share with you so we can stop trying to be, be something we're not. I'm, I'm ready to fully embrace who we really are. But I have to, in, in that, define what we're not trying to do. We are not trying to get as many people as we can to join this church. That is not my assignment. Amen? All right. That's not kingdom. Kingdom will not do a survey of a community and say, what music do you like? How long do you want service to be? What are some of the messages you want to hear? And then design a church to meet the desire of a people who ain't even saved. Right? Kingdom don't do that. Luke chapter 14, verse 22, look at this, what it says. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is what? Room. And the Lord said unto the servant, go out in the highways and hedges and compel them to come that my house may be filled. Right? So in other words, that when you are truly establishing kingdom, serving what God has prepared you will not be attractive to men. He said, look, God, the kingdom prepared everything. The problem is, won't nobody come? The house is empty. The kingdom is not attractive to men. Everybody following what I'm saying? Men aren't attracted to the kingdom. Those that truly serve the meat of the kingdom will not draw crowds. Here is 
Tiana, this is what God has prepared. He said it's fully ready. I done got everything ready. And they looking at the king saying, won't nobody come. He says, you got to go out in the highways and, and compare them things. It's labor to get men and women into a place to sit down and receive the meat of the kingdom of God. What you got to understand is we cannot put stuff on Facebook to get folk to come here. As a matter of fact, we don't want Facebook crowds here. We cannot do advertising and commercials. There must be a compelling, and I'm going to talk about that in just one minute. That's why I sense God to have you drawing people to, to this ministry because it's a kingdom ministry. This ain't a ministry that everybody say, ooh, I like the way they do this, 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 and this. They just serve what's prepared. See, the thing about the kingdom is I only serve what's already been prepared. When you come and tell me what you like, it don't change what's already been prepared. I like messages this way. So what? It's already been prepared. I like when I need a word from me. Well, I'm sorry. It's already been prepared. I, I, can't, I ain't changing the menu. So if you can't get with what's prepared, then uh, you ain't the one we're looking for. Because we're not going to change it. That's why the kingdom doesn't draw crowds because it doesn't alter its message for personality. Personality means nothing when you come to a kingdom church. How you like it means nothing when you come to a kingdom church. What you prefer. Because it's already been prepared. That's like you buying a TV dinner with spaghetti and chicken in it and getting mad because ain't no rice and gravy in it. You shouldn't order something that was already prepared. When you're coming to the kingdom, you're coming to something that's already been prepared. We can't change what's in it for you. That's why there's very few kingdom ministries. Because church strategy tells us today, find out where people are. Find out what, do you understand? I don't have to meet nobody in this community to build a kingdom church. I don't have to find out anybody's problems on a personal level to build a kingdom church. Because I already know what your problem is. Sin. It might express through depression, but it's still sin. It might express through perversion. It's still sin. It might express through anger. It's still sin. It might expect. It don't matter what it is. The problem is one. There's only one problem. So what's prepared is going to solve it whether I know you on a personal level or not. Amen? And what we do is go try to find out what people are going through on a personal level and then come back and change what's been prepared and wind up attracting people as they are instead of calling people up into who they were. And they never change. They just like the style of the church. Amen? Watch this. So, so watch this. It's labor to do kingdom because kingdom says, I don't care what you want. This is, it's already been prepared. Right? Because the kingdom is only, this is why it's so hard to attract people into a kingdom ministry. The kingdom is only for those who are hungry. God, if you don't get nothing else I say, get that. The kingdom is only, you're invited to a meal. The kingdom 
is only for those who are hungry. Not hungry for what they see, but the things of God. They're hungry for the things of God because you're hungry for hope. And hope that is seen is, is not hope. Those who exemplify the kingdom will always have difficulty finding those who are hungry. It ain't hard to find somebody hungry for real estate. You want your real estate business to blow up? I got a word for you. It ain't hard for us to get people to come to that. But the problem is that ain't the kingdom and what is prepared. Glory be to God. Come here and I'll give you a word. You can have your own business. And we're going to give you a word that you can start your own business. But the problem is the call to hope isn't a call to entrepreneurship. Glory be to God. Or are you going to finally, God is going to give you that wife. God is going to give you that help. The problem is, do you understand if we did a special anointing service for all those that want to start a business, we would have a line outside? Is that true? If we started, uh, we did an anointing service, every single woman come out and every single man, and God is going to drop an anointing where you're going to meet your husband that day. My God. We'd have to lock the door to keep the folk out. The problem is that ain't the kingdom. That ain't the kingdom. People preaching um, the kingdom will find that most aren't hungry enough to accept the invitation to receive the word being served. I know it's God. I just ain't hungry enough to get up and see it. I ain't hungry enough to get up and hear it because I'm still locked into what I see. I got this business I'm trying to expand. I got this success I'm trying to cultivate. I got this relationship I'm in. Amen. And so I ain't even hungry enough because I'm getting fed by sight. Sight is junk food. It's just like junk food. You eat enough of it, you ain't going to want what you can't see. Amen? Bless the Lord. Man, I still got the instant. Boy, y'all saw that? Huh? That was pretty good, wasn't it? You better watch out, take you going to coastal, but you know why I still got the instinct. Bam! Watch this. Most will never experience the kingdom because they have a hunger problem. Are you hungry for hope? Are you hungry for the things that are not seen? Come on, are you hungry for the glory of God? Come on, are you hungry to experience his presence? Come on, are you hungry to have a heart like he is? Come on, are you hungry to look like Jesus? Come on, are you hungry to know his peace? Are you hungry to know his joy? Come on, are you hungry to experience the anointing upon you? Are you hungry to see men healed without medicine? Are you hungry to see demons cast out without, with, without psychology and psychiatrists? Are you hungry? Are you hungry for what cannot be seen? Because none of those things can be seen, but that's the only thing that the kingdom serves. And everybody that's caught into what they're seeing won't come. But it's a hope. It's a hope. Are you filled up by sight? Amen. Come on, now think about it. Honestly, there's certain times I deny myself of certain things, not necessarily because I'm going to be negatively impacted by them, but because I won't be hungry if I 
interact with them. There's stuff I could watch on TV that ain't necessarily bad. But after I finish watching it, I show ain't hungry. Amen. Facebook in itself ain't necessarily all the way bad. But the, the problem is it, it's like Twinkies and cupcakes before eating dinner. You really don't want the things of God after you fill up off of sight. Because they're things that cannot be seen. It's an invitation into a home. Amen. Look at this. Um, everybody say hungry. This house is for the hungry. Nobody else. If people ain't hungry for the invisible things of God, they, they don't want to be in. This house is for the hungry. I'm hungry for the things of God. That's all we can serve. Because what we're serving has already been prepared. Luke chapter 14, verse 34. Look at this. Salt is what? Luke chapter 14, verse 34. This is the end of that text. I'm going to show you something. Salt is what? But if the salt have lost his, wherewith shall it be? Y'all see that? Verse 35. It is neither fit for the land nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that hath ears to hear let him hear. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. He's talking about now the issue of not accepting the invitation, the invitation to eat of the things of the kingdom. And he ends it by call, comparing the believer to salt that's lost her savor. Now, salt that's lost its savor are believers who have lost their hunger. They're not hungry enough to come off the invitation. I'm going to say that again. Salt that lost its savor are believers that have lost their hunger. But uh, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be what? Filled. A believer without hunger is like salt that has lost its savor. Why? And the reason why is, listen closely, the world needs a testimony that there is a greater source of satisfaction. The world needs a testimony that there's a greater source of, sa of satisfaction. I know you just went to California for seven days, but I guarantee you're not more satisfied than me, and I've been here the whole time. I know you just made a million dollars, but I, and, and, and guess what? You're not more satisfied than me. I didn't make even a fraction of that. I know you just got the car of your dreams, but I guarantee you're not more satisfied than me. And I ain't get the car. Glory be to God. Why does that seem like wah, 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 wah? Because, because the enemy has attacked us and made us salt that has lost its savor. If now I lose the hunger that declares my satisfaction is greater than all of your flings with flesh and flings with sight, glory be to God. If I don't walk with that testimony, amen, because they are going to get the car and they're going to be happy. They're going to think they're happy like me, but it's going to wear out. And when theirs wear out after having the car for three years, they're going to look at me and find out I'm still just as happy as I was when you first got the car. Glory be to God. It's, it 
can't, it has to be a satisfaction that lasts because while they're getting money, they actually think they're happier than me. But after you didn't have that money for 10 years, the same joy you saw me in 10 years ago, you're going to see me in right now. I'm here to testify that there is a satisfaction greater than anything you see can give you. Where are the hungry people? Where are the people that are hungry for the joy of the Lord, for the righteousness of God? Where are the hungry people that are hungry to declare there is a city whose builder and foundation is not of this world? There is a God that has a promise waiting for me that you can't. Hunger. If you lost your hunger, you're like salt that's lost its savor. How can I testify to the one that just bought the 40-inch uh, screen TV, glory be to God, that what you got is just a fleeting passion and a fleeting fleeing, glory be to God. When I get just excited about the 48-inch screen TV because I eat the same junk food, that's junk food. Uh, that Bentley is junk food, uh, glory. Uh, that mansion is junk food, uh, glory, because he said he's going to prepare a place for me in my father this house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for there has to be a hunger that says my satisfaction outdoes your satisfaction. Your marriage is only as good as when they see you after 25 years, you look like y'all just got married. I finally got a wife, so what? Finally got a husband, so much. If it ain't under holy matrimony, that's a fleeting, that is a fleeting satisfaction. Talk to me in 25 years. Let me see if y'all still want to hold hands like that, hug up like that, kiss, ooh, boo, boo, wee, wee. After 25 years, now you can testify of something greater. Because only God can keep people in love like that. Only God's anointing can keep people close like that. There's something greater. I always tell people that get married, you need to learn how to be single before you get married. Because after you're married, you still need to be single. What do you mean? You need to be single before you get married because after you're married, you still need to be single. In other words, my singleness is my focus on God. One thing that I desire, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. And so now when I get married, I now I put a double anointing on singleness. Now I got somebody with me that says one thing we desire, and that will we seek after, that we may dwell in the house of the Lord. Oh. If you can't stay single while you're single, what makes you think you're going to stay single while you're? If one doesn't satisfy you while you're. How, if one God can't satisfy you while you're single, how can one man or woman satisfy? Do y'all understand the kingdom? I'm satisfied with one God. And whether that God give me a Nissan or whether that God give me a Lexus, it really don't matter. I'm satisfied with one God. That satisfaction can only be testified by the hungry. 
You know why some people that wish and want, they would, with all their heart, Philip, want to discredit who I am in my ministry. But the one thing that they can't discredit is the consistency. I ain't seen you in four years, and you've been here, here, over there, over here, up, down, and I come, man, Pastor Steele. You should see people that see me on the street. They'd be like, you look good. What, you thought I was going to be busted? You look good. No, no, just because I ain't taking pictures of myself and putting them where all y'all can see them don't mean I ain't doing good. I've learned how to please one. I could care less if you think I'm doing good. When you see me, you can just check me out. Oh, I'm doing real good, but I don't need to put pictures up to show how good I'm. You should say, I mean, that person after murder, folks actually think I'm just going through. Yo, he ain't putting his church on Facebook. That church got to be doing bad. He ain't putting his cell phone, Facebook, his kids on. He ain't taking pictures of nothing they got to do, but they see what they're like, you, are, you look good. Like, dog, thank God you didn't have your way. Obviously, you wanted me to be looking real bad. And guess what? When you see me 10 years from now, I, I ain't even studying. So hopefully 10 years from now you can actually get saved because the same God that got me right now, when 10 years from now you're going to be, oh, Shata, that's when people get hung. Only God can keep you like that. Only God can maintain you like that. Only God can hold you like that. Only God can... Don't ever tell your neighbor hungry. See, people don't understand it, but I'm more hungry now for God than I was before. Glory be to God. Man, I'm like a little kid. I love, oh, Lord, love what we going to do today? Y'all should see me up here. I sit there and I, with the word, I said, Lord, what in the world are you going to say today? This thing is so good. The Lord will have you laughing. Glory be to God. You'll sit there and write something. And look at that and say, man, that's deep. <laughs> you better walk away from it. I'm like, that was deep. <laughs> that, glory be to God. That's how God does. It's a relationship. And relationships don't get old. And I just happen to be a man in a relationship with God that he put in a pastoral position. So I get to share my relationship with you, but it's really just a relationship. Amen. Watch this. So, so watch this. Amen. So only a believer without hunger. This is what I need y'all to understand. Remember, the invitation it's only for those who are hungry. Come and eat. Come and eat. Come and eat. A believer without hunger cannot testify of that greater satisfaction, which means no one will be drawn by their invitation. The only way people come to the kingdom is when people in the kingdom invite them. 
He said, you got to go out and, and you got to invite folks. Give them an invitation. Tell them what I got prepared because we don't do commercials and stuff to get folk to come because then we will get consumers instead of followers. But he said, go out and compel them to come. Now, look at Luke chapter 14, verse 23. And I promise I'm almost done. Watch this. And the Lord said unto the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Why? Because the kingdom is only for the hungry. And only those who are hungry qualify to give out invitations. See, if you can't, you can't invite people to the kingdom if you ain't hungry. You can invite people to church, but only the hungry can invite them to the meal. Amen. The only way men will actually come to the kingdom is if those who are hungry go out and compel them to come. Everybody say compel. Do you, that, that means go. You understand the power of that word? That word means go out and force them to come. That's what God was telling his servants. Y'all got to understand the depth of what he just said. He said, no, go out in the highways and hedges and force folk to come in and eat of the kingdom. This is the key, not by gunpoint. Or uh, this is the key, not by brute force, but by the living testimony of what you yourself are tasting. Please hear me. Our hunger can make others hungry. That's what he's saying. Go out and make them come by how hungry you are for me. Go out and tell them you've tasted and saw that the Lord is good. Go out and tell them how transformed you are. Go out and tell them how mighty the move of God is and your hunger will force them to come and eat themselves. Only salt. Those who are hungry can compel men to come. I promise you right now, glory be to God. If I was in y'all's shoes, I would love it. Pastor, you telling me all I got to do is bring somebody every week to church? Uh, that's easy. I'm hungry. Glory be to God. I love when I sat up under Bishop and I was not the pastor. I had folks coming through that church every single week, every single day because I'm just hungry and I'm forcing you to come because I'm so hungry, you getting hungry. For people should be forced to come by how hungry you are. Y'all know that? Your hunger can force folk to come and see. Let me see what they talking about. Let me see what's going on over there. Go out in the highways and hedges and compel them. Make them come in. But that's only salt that has not lost its saltiness. Because salt that has lost its saltiness are believers who have no hunger. So they're actually just as interested in the basketball game as the people they're talking to. I'll talk about basketball all day. But man, I, I'm hungry for, for the kingdom. And somehow or another, when you're hungry, that conversation will turn toward your hunger. I'm not trying to be religious. I talk about basketball and I watch basketball. I talk about sports and all that, but I'm not hungry for it. I'm not hungry for it. Somehow or another, that conversation will turn to your hunger. And before you know it, folks want to come to your church. You can compel them to come. Look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, compel them to come. Force them to come and eat by your hunger. Amen. Matthew 22. 
the thing about the world's hunger is at one, one hour they're hungry for chicken, the next hour they're hungry for macaroni. Then you want some cake. I'm doing too much and it's close to Sunday dinner time, ain't it? The whole point is their hunger changes because they really ain't hungry. Amen? See, hunger, hunger never changes. When you get a hunger for God, I don't care if you check it at 12 o'clock, I'm hungry. 2 p.m., I'm hungry. I don't care if it's Sunday, I'm hungry. Wednesday, I'm hungry. Thursday, it don't matter what day of the week is, but the hunger of the world changes. Right now, you're hungry for the car. Now, you're hungry for a house. Now you're hungry for a relationship. Now you're hungry for this woman. Now you're hungry for that man. Now you want this one. Now your world centers around them. The world, it ain't hunger. All it is is me eating a snack that's going to satisfy me for a minute, and then I'm going to have to jump. And it's actually the, in, the enemy's way of keeping me from ever being hungry, taking me from one snack to the next snack, and I think this is it, and it ain't it. Then I go to this, and it ain't it. And then I go to this, and it ain't it. And eventually, at some point, I got to recognize what I thought I wanted. I was never hungry for God. Those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, teach me how to hunger. There's a hunger that trumps junk food. You ain't got to fight lust for the rest of your life. Hunger will swallow it up. Amen. Death is swallowed up in victory. Now watch this, and I'm closing. Matthew 22, verse 11. And 12. 22 verse 11 and 12. It says, and when the king came in to see the what? Guest. Now this is Matthew's depiction. And when the king came in to see the guest, he saw there a man which had not on a what? A wedding garment. He had on a wedding garment. Verse 12. And he saith unto him, friend, how cameth thou in hither not having a what? Wedding garment. And he was, this is the key word. Everybody say speechless. Then the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. First of all, watch this. I want you to notice in Matthew's account, Amen. We're called to a marriage. In Luke's account, we're called to a feast. I believe both are two aspects of the same principle. Marriage is when the two become one flesh. We're called to a marriage. Amen. This speaks of the fact that God calls us into oneness with him. Everybody say oneness. Amen. He calls us into oneness. I'm inviting you to a marriage. I'm calling you into oneness. Please follow me. He doesn't simply call us to follow commandments. He calls us to likeness, which comes through oneness. And the two shall become one flesh. And the two shall become one flesh. See, if you look at this, this is what happens. Glory be to God. Lady Mary, if you would come up. God and me. Amen. Is just like the reflection of me and my wife. And the two shall become 
one flesh. And so what happens is me and my wife, like my other arm, you turn all the way around. Amen. We become one flesh. Right. Now, I'm still, parts of me are still who I am, but I'm still one with the one that's who I were. So every time the enemy attacks me, what God does is turn himself to the enemy and says he is the righteousness of God. He is perfect. He is sinless. He, he, is, he, God, he is victorious. He is the head and not the tail. He is not a No, I'm still here, but I'm one with the one. Y'all ain't here. What I'm saying, I'm one with the one that's perfect. And so my one, I'm one with the one. Yeah, we run with the one that won the victory. Glory be to God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm one with him. And then what ultimately happens is, is through through me and her being one, uh, when the enemy attacks, Jesus shows his face. Come here, JC, for a minute. But ultimately what happens, if I stay one with God long enough, y'all ain't hear what I'm saying, if I, if I walk with him long enough, if I seek him long enough, if I love him and I refuse to let go, if I don't cast away my confidence, out of the two becomes, y'all, I want you to just start walking up the aisle. Stop right there. Two comes one. Now the devil can't look at me and God. He looks at me and sees God. And he looks at God and sees me. When you look at JC, you ain't looking at Jeremiah. You're looking at Jeremiah and Tiffany. You're all glory. There comes a point when all of God becomes all of me. And all of me becomes all of God. Because I become all. He's calling us into a marriage. He's calling us into oneness. Glory be to God. Me and my wife are one. How? Because we got a walking witness. He's, JC is not Tiffany and not me. He is not me and not her. He is both of us together. God says, that's how I want to give you an identity. Not you and me or me and you, but us together as one. I'm inviting you to a marriage. What happens when you don't have to fight sin? You're one with the one that never did sin. But can you come to that marriage? Do you believe that? That's the key. Go ahead. You can go ahead, Jay. Amen. Oneness. Come on, somebody say, we've been invited to a marriage. It's not God and me or me and God. It's all of God in me and all of me in God. I abide in him and his word abides in me. Marriage. For the rest of your life, you're not going to be fighting sin because he got victory over sin. And at some point, you got to become one with him through faith. Through faith. All right. So now, watch this. He doesn't simply call us to follow command. I don't, I don't club no more. That's great, but you're not one with him yet. You ain't came to the marriage yet. Glory be to God. I don't drink no more. I, the things I used to do, I didn't. I don't do no more. And that's great. That's a part of the path to that. But at some point, you got to become one with him. So now I obey God, not by law, but by instinct. It's different when... When I follow the king by instinct and not commandment, glory be to God, I don't have to look at something written to tell me what not not to do. I have an instinct of what not and not to do. Amen. So now watch this. 
He, the guest that wasn't dressed properly or wasn't one with the king, the king referred to him as friend. Everybody say friend. I'm almost done. The king referred to him as friend. Now, now, y'all got to do y'all's uh, Bible homework. Matthew, uh, John 15, verse 14. You are my friend if you do whatsoever I call. You are my friend if you do whatsoever I command you. The king called him a friend. The guest was a friend, someone who followed commandments. Therefore, he wasn't properly clothed by faith. Because by the law shall no man be, I'm trying to help you, by the law shall no, you can be his friend following commandments, but y'all can't get be, be one following commandments. So you're not properly dressed because you just don't club no more. The, the way you used to talk, you don't talk no more. The things you used to do, you don't do no more. That's great. You're a friend, but we're not one. Everybody find one up there. There's a step after that. I am a friend of God. You don't want to stay a friend of God. The problem is he ain't died to make you his friend. No. There was a man by the name of John. I am a friend of the... Uh, that's why a lot of us go through what we go through because we want to stay friends. See, that's why I can't be watching that stuff. Because you know what's going through my mind right now? Oh, baby, you got what I need. They showed Bismarcky on there, too. But you say he's just a friend, right? I get that stuff out of my spirit. No, it's just, it's a lady, we're talking about there, shit it up, it's gone. Shit it up, aha. No, it's just, he says, I am a friend of the bridegroom. John 3, right? All of us want to be John the Baptist. The problem is, John the Baptist, the pro he, had, he was a friend that had followers. After he reveals who Christ is, he still has followers. But no, Jesus now was there to declare we're one with him. John is still having people following him in friendship. So when John gets locked up, Jesus can't. Oh, y'all ain't hear what I'm saying. I got to keep you locked up because I'm not going to die so you can be my friend. Glory be to God. See, you can't have folk following you and you ain't nothing but God's friend. Stop. Oh, shh. Uh, he, he cannot just be your friend on Facebook that you get likes from. He, I, I, I like the fact that you don't club no more. I like the fact that you change some stuff. But you, that's not what folks follow. They're called to a man. So John had, John had to be removed because his ministry only allowed people to be God's friend. And friends don't know how to dress. They don't even tell you they but dress to kill. Amen? He wasn't properly clothed by faith. Because the commandment won't allow you to. Father, I'll never have it together. Can't nobody be like Jesus. Father, purge me with hyssop. Father, examine me. Father, wash me. Father, change me. Father, forgive me. Father, transform me. Father, have mercy on me. Father, change my mind. What's, what am I doing? Well, I am now disqualifying now ready. 
If I'm telling him to change my mind, I am not obtaining the mind that was already ready that he gave me. If I'm telling him to wash me, I am rejecting the now ready washing I already got. If I tell him to transform me, I'm just, I'm not dressed because we wear our words. Come on. We're clothed in Christ. I wish somebody, we're clothed by our conversation. I wish y'all would follow all of it. The man wasn't clothed right because the man didn't talk right. He was still following commandments. Amen? So now, when the king asked him why he wasn't clothed in righteousness, why you ain't clothed in perfection? Because can't nobody be perfect. Huh? Why you ain't clothed in victory? Because we all get beat sometimes. Why you ain't clothed in holiness? Because God is the only one that's holy. Ain't no, can't nobody be holier than thou. He was speechless. Everybody say speechless. As far as God is concerned, when we don't say what he said, we ain't saying nothing. It wasn't that that man didn't speak. That's not what that verse is saying. It didn't say he was speechless from the standpoint that he could not talk it or he refused to talk. It's not that he couldn't talk. It's the fact that what he was saying couldn't be heard because it wasn't by faith. That word speechless means to muzzle. If you look it up, the Greek word for speechless is muzzle. It's, it's an apparatus placed on an animal to keep them from biting or eating. Ain't that true? That, the fact that that man wasn't clothed right was proof he wasn't eating what was at the banquet. Right. Although he was there. He, the food was there, but he wasn't eating it because he wasn't saying it. Right. My question to you is, I know you're at the banquet, but what you got on you? Are you eating what's being served? Amen? Something muzzled his mouth. It was the law. You know why? Because the law only produces unbelief in what God made us before he called us. He couldn't say he was free indeed. Come on. He couldn't say he was pure, completely pure and without perversion. He couldn't say he wasn't a luster, but a lover of God. His friendship with God wouldn't let him. He was muzzled. Friends of God do what they're told. Lovers of, of God speak what he's spoken. Friends of God do what they're told. Lovers of God speak what they're spoken. What's been spoken by God. Friends of God follow him. Lovers of God become like him. There's an invitation that God has given to today for you. Now ready. God isn't about to change you. Your change is now ready. God isn't about to transform. Your transformation is now ready. But you need a hunger. You got to be hungry for what the God, what, what the Lord is serving. He ain't going to change it. It's already been prepared. Right? The topic is holiness. 
It's already been prepared. The topic is righteousness. It's already been prepared. The topic is purity. It's already been prepared. The topic is Christ's likeness. It's already been prepared. And me and you have it if we accept the invitation to call those things that be not as though they were. What I'm telling you is you've been invited to a marriage. You've been invited to a feast. You've been invited to speak the words of God in spite of what you see in your perceived reality. You've been invited to declare you're free while you still feel bound. You've been invited to, to declare you've overcome sin while sin is still trying to pull you. You've been invited to say you love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength while all the world and the lusts of them are still pulling on your heart. You've been invited to a feast. It's now ready. It's not when you're ready. Can I help you understand something? Because all of those people, do you understand that the person that they're real estate, the person that had the business, the person who was in the relationship, all three of them probably still came to the feast after now. There's a window to get to hunger that overcomes the world. Most people settle for being good Christians. They get a good job, pay all of your bills, and send your kids to college. I hate to give you a newsflash. That is not the call of the kingdom. That we, we don't need God to do that. Right. There's a, plenty of folk that do it without right. acknowledging God. It's a call to holiness. To overcome this world. That as he was, so are we. Now don't get me wrong. Thank God for the blessing of having a good job and taking care of your wife and sending your kids to college. But my God, don't think a man hung on a cross for six hours got beaten all night long and rose from the dead for that. Amen. Amen. Everybody standing to your feet.